Welcome everyone. You are on the Leopardy podcast. Today we have a special episode because we are talking to a cool guy from Citizen M. <laughs> In fact, is the project manager for the US, uh, the man who is responsible for the openings of Citizen M's across the entire United States, Edward. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I, I did uh, I did a couple, like uh, around 10, uh, 10, 10 openings in last year. Now I'm focusing on, on one project in Boston. This is the focus uh, of the company this year. Uh, it's going to be our biggest development. So right now it's Boston-centric, if you say. Okay, cool. So we have a guest here, and this man uh, has, I think... Uh, was born to work for Citizen M. As long as I remember him, he always talked about it. And I think he's been one of the only people I know who stayed at the same company <laughs> since I left university. So uh, congratulations to that. Edward, welcome to, to our podcast. Um, thank you for joining. Um, so would you like to, is that a good enough introduction? Would you like to maybe go through the boring things you've done in your life or? <laughs> <clears throat> It, it, it depends. Like you say, you talk about uh, let's say turnover and longevity of employees in a company that I'm the only one you know, or one of the only ones you know that stay in the same company. I think um, it it all depends on the company and what the opportunities they give you. You know, like if like for me, it's been really like not that uh, I'm married to his name, but before every time I wanted to have a next step or learn, like they were open to provide like next step and a new opportunity to grow. So that's, that's why, um, that's why seven years in still says them after uni, let's see how long it, it lasts more. Um, but yeah, so that, 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 that explains a bit that, that lack of going around different companies. I also have a question already because Misha said that you were born to work for citizen. M. <laughs> what does, what does that mean? I know you guys went to university together, but. I don't know what that means. I, I, I don't know either. If I have to uh, <laughs> interpret it, maybe it's uh, because maybe I'm too casual uh, and, and, and pretty freestyle. I think his name is, is kind of free-spirited in many ways. Uh, like, like I always remember the first couple of days when we started our, our masters with, with Misha actually, and they were explaining what were the, the, the career paths that were available and then the traditional trajectories to become, let's say, like a hotel manager at the Four Seasons uh, and the timeline of 10 to 20 years to reach that goal, I kind of had a little introspection and I was like, what the hell am I doing here? That's definitely not going to be uh, for me. Um, and like, yeah, then I, I found this name that was a lot more close to my values um, in terms of people and, and, and the overall culture. So I think that's 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 where it comes back to. Give us a quick breakdown. You've been there for seven years. Uh, in that time, I have switched four jobs. Um, what have you done? <laughs> what have what have you? What, yeah, exactly right. Um, what what have you managed to to achieve during those seven years? Um, yeah, it, it's it's definitely been a, a ride. So like as you know, like I I to finish our masters, we needed to do an internship. So that's where I started with Sysnem. Um, we started started uh, as an intern. Uh, in the operations department uh, and at that time operations was all-encompassing you had a bit of a bit of everything um, and so everything from POS management to licenses to deal with new projects uh, linked to ESG for hotels and at that time we had approximately eight or twelve ten hotels so we had to do a bit of everything to support the hotels uh, because, you know, like it's a very centralized model. Like we want the hotel teams to focus on the guests in the hotel. Everything else is done at the office. So we were a bit of the, the jack of all trades. Um, <clears throat> and then we, we had two hotels to open in Paris uh, towards the end of my internship. And lucky, uh, lucky or unlucky for Cisnet, like they had, a, they had a French intern. So I ended up working a lot on, on those, especially uh, everything linked to, to, the, to licensing. Uh, as you know, like French uh, love, love their, uh, their laws and their, and their rules. So um, I, I kind of fell into this. And, and from before system, I already felt that the opening of hotels is, is very exciting. You know, it's like a, a shorter life cycle uh, of the project. Um, and, and it's a bit... It's a, it's a wide scope of, of responsibilities and, and duties. 
so when I say Sesnem, I, I focus on the openings, uh, especially with Paris. Uh, we had to do two hotels within within three months, uh, which was which was a lot of fun. Um, we tried to make it as efficient as possible and and couple things when we could, but uh, not everything goes according to plan. Um, and then it was a bit the time where also we already had a hotel in Paris, uh, in Charles de Gaulle, and that was that had been alone for a couple of years. And um, their F&B program, let's say, was very particular and we needed to do a lot of work uh, on this. So it was a bit the time to reshape what is F&B for Paris hotels. So the, the F&B director at that time uh, basically gave me kind of carte blanche. She was like, you know more or less what we want to do, uh, affordable luxury, all the concepts that that, that sticks to Cisnen. Uh, so just uh, go and try to figure out something cool for F&B uh, in France. So, so I focus a lot on the... Yeah. So far, during your internship, you've worked in operations in Holland, then you've opened up a hotel in France, and then you started doing... You started working on <laughs> revamping the entire F&B concept of Citizen M. That was during your internship. No, no, no. <laughs> so the, 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 internship, the internship ended just before we really ramped up towards the, uh, the openings, uh, and then I, I, I stayed along. Um, we were revamping the, the F&B for, for Paris, so we did that. And then it was a bit, uh, at the end of that year, it was like, okay, do I want to stick to food and beverage uh, and maybe take a bit more of a, of a local, like Paris duty for, for F&B area manager, or do I want to keep um, doing openings? And uh, knowing the next one was going to be in New York. Uh, I was like, no, I'm I'm going to go to New York. I'm not going to stay in Paris. Like, I'm not Parisian, so like living in Paris is not my dream. Um, so I, I I stick I I stuck I stuck with the travels and and going to New York for for which was the the new flagship hotel for for Cisnem in the U.S. We already had a hotel same in Times Square, but the one in Bowery was the one to really launch Cisnem expansion in the U.S. Saying, okay, we're here, we're expanding. This is the first uh, of uh, a new pipeline that is starting. Um, and then the same, we had a small team to do the opening. I was focusing on the F&B, but then slowly took over uh, operations responsibility. And going through that project, we, like a colleague and I was, like there's a better way to do openings the way we're doing it. Now, it, like, it was a bit, you know, like family office, all hands on deck, everyone does a bit of everything. Um, there's not really one captain on the ship. Uh, for for the pre-opening, so let's let's maybe make a position that that oversees the overall timeline of the pre-opening. So what, that's what we did. We created, we made the pitch uh, to our to our bosses essentially, uh, saying like we need to restructure that uh, that that section of the company, and this is our proposal. And they were like, okay, go for it. Copenhagen is the next one. Um, Edward tried out with this new role. We did this. Worked out pretty good. Uh, it helped that Copenhagen was a pretty easy project. Um, like Copenhagen uh, is a bit like Switzerland. People are pretty diligent at their work, which is really nice. Uh, it's a big change compared to New York, where everything is a bit more uh, wishy-washy, let's say. Um, so, so that was that was a good project to try out a new structure, and then we just said, okay, that's a proof of concept that is working. What let's was the Sorry, what was yeah, the what, what was the um, sort of the biggest difference outside of the cultural perspective, <laughs> which we're familiar with, right? That you thought really made the big difference, maybe just because there was kind of one person to go to and the responsibility fell on one person, and as a result, it yeah, was exactly. easier. Exactly, having a bit one point of contact that can distribute, uh, that can keep the overall timeline and vision of the project, uh, because you have a lot of departments in Brooklyn, as you know, it goes everything from from coordinating with brand and marketing, but also like the F&B or the learning development, everything related to Ozeny. And before it was kind of divided into several people, but you didn't have really one person that could oversee and be the point of contact for the rest of the company. Uh, so you have information get, gets lost, uh, you had a lot of inefficiencies, and at the end also you have a budget that you need to manage. And it's always better to have one person manage and be accountable for a budget rather than six. Um, uh, so, so that 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 was a bit the, the main difference, um, and also make sure that everyone can deliver and has the tools and the resources to deliver what they're expected, uh, instead of everyone looking at each other as like, oh wait, I thought you were going to do this, but oh no, I was going to do it. 
that that's a bit having an overview of the entire uh, the entire project helped a lot. So that's what we did, um, and then it was let's go to the U.S. Basically, um, they they asked me, Edward, you want to move to the U.S.? You're gonna spend way too much time, so IRS is gonna come at you after a year uh, if you don't uh, <laughs> if you don't transfer. Um, after we did our Boston opening, so I said, yeah, let's let's do it. Uh, we had like six, seven hotels to open: Seattle, San Francisco, LA, DC, etc., Miami. Um, all new markets that system didn't know. Um, so it was like, okay, if you can go there, uh, we'll sponsor you. Go there on your visa uh, and 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 spearhead a bit this on the ground and uh, be the proxy from the from from the support office in the Netherlands. Um, so this was happened, and then of course every plan has a curveball, uh, and COVID hit. So I moved to the US and one week later the border the, the borders were closed. So that was a, that was a fun experience. Had to live in a hotel for uh, in, in New York for three months uh, while still trying to uh, organize the opening in Seattle. Um, so that was that was a you were like, stressful experience. You were like Tom Hanks from the movie Terminal except in a hotel. Just stuck there. <laughs> yes, I mean, like, like uh, I'll pick my experience over a terminal. Uh, like, I would say having having a three hundred plus hotel uh, to yourself, room hotel to yourself in downtown Manhattan with a rooftop, where you can do uh, your your yoga at sunset uh, uh, by yourself is is pretty nice. And so that was actually uh, quite a cool experience, and like being able to connect also with the with the team that was. That was there where they had someone that was not a guest, but also someone that is not a direct colleague. Um, you know, it's like game nights and things like this. So make the whole uh, experience a bit more fun than being stuck in a tiny Manhattan studio uh, where you're kind of entering slowly depression. Um, so that that was that was a interesting experience. Uh, but then we had to still open Seattle uh, Hotel, which was our first one. Uh, our investors really wanted. Uh, that hotel to open. It was delayed due to um, due to a mold issue we had uh, with water intrusion by for a year. So it was really like, okay, we really need to open it now. Uh, it's ready. So uh, so yeah, like a couple of us took the plane uh, from JFK. It was uh, two of us and a pigeon taking the plane, and no one else. Uh, JFK was probably the most quiet I've seen in my life, where uh, there was uh, only our our plane on the on the screen of departures. Uh, so that was that was quite an experience. Uh, we took our bags, went to Seattle, and then had to improvise how to do an opening uh, in pandemic where all our trainers, let's say, uh, cannot travel. So we had, let's say, our cocktail trainer, puppy trainers, some of them are in, in the Netherlands. How do we do virtual training? So we had to come up with some crazy met methods with like iPads over coffee machines to give a point of view and like a trainer that is on the screen and a camera to give them live feedback. Uh, so it was a bit crazy. It was a lot of fun to innovate on the spot uh, and be like, okay, how are we going to do this in a, in a, in, to deliver the best impact um, and also just make it work in and in, in have a safe environment because everyone is still like, like we're, we're, we cannot go and all party and kiss each other. Like it's, it's still COVID times. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's keep it safe for everyone. Um, so yeah, we did this and then like, the openings kept rolling, DC, LA, San Francisco, etc. Uh, and then I finished my pre-opening career in Miami with two hotels, one of which I'm right now. Um, and then, then it was uh, a bit like, okay, what's next? Uh, 11 hotels, super fun, but um, now things, uh, time to learn new things. Uh, so discussing a bit with our chief development officer, I was like, yeah, you know, like makes sense to go upstream. I would love to learn more about the, the, the earlier steps uh, in the construction. So if you give me an opportunity, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm down to try. Uh, so yeah, he took a bit the gamble on me, uh, take the young guy that knows nothing about construction and throw him in, uh, in the project um, in Boston Back Bay, which, which is like one of the most important for, uh, for, for our company this year to open. Because it's going to be our biggest hotel, part of a huge development in the city, um, and yeah, I've been doing this mostly for the last year, um, and in parallel, because life is not fun if you don't do uh, if you do only one thing. Um, we've been trying to have a bit of an innovation 
project uh, within the, the company in Sesnam to look at how we develop hotels, our timeline, um, and how can we shorten that timeline. So in the market, the, the development timeline is pretty long uh, as a standard. Sesnam was a precursor uh, in terms of modular building uh, for hotels with very short timelines. That was one of our, uh, let's say, attributes to attract investors and, and make things very uh, uh, interesting. Maybe to quickly uh, yeah. pause you there for those who don't know, basically what you guys have, uh, Citizen M is basically a chain where almost all rooms are kind of the same, right? There's a similar idea. And you, because of that, you could produce them on in a factory kind of sort of, in a way like it's, the block houses the, in, in Soviet Union, <laughs> but you know, nicer, obviously, right? So that's what allowed you basically to, to speed the whole process up because you didn't have to create complicated rooms on, on site, but rather just produce them in a the factory, right? Exactly. So, so yeah. What's the timeline more or less to build a Susan in them? From scratch. So uh, a modular project, the best we've done is approximately 14 months from breaking ground to opening, um, which was a project in London that we did in Bankside. Um, our timeline has extended <laughs> through the years, and that's why we're doing this project. Um, in the US, it's not necessarily easy to convince um, local authorities or contractors to build modular, so it's a bit easier on the West Coast. So we built more hotels modular on the West Coast uh, compared to the East Coast. Why is it easier? Um, there's many factors. <laughs> uh, I saw a lot of pain in, <laughs> in that smile. No, it's because from, 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 a, from a development perspective, it always makes sense, but then it's it's something very new. So there's uh, there can be um, a, a lot of different factors from local regulations to just having a general contractor that is ready to change the way he's working. Like they, they've not done that. And you're trying to pitch a project to a contractor being like, forget construction as you know it. We're just going to give you building blocks and you need to stack them up. And then that's basically your job. And for a lot of them, yeah, like, you know, in the US, like, uh, people are pretty cautious, and especially in the industry. So if they don't know it, they're not necessarily down to play. Um, mm -hmm. So West Coast, like, we, we've found a couple of good partners that were uh, ready to play with us, basically, and, and, and really, like, make it work and, and figure it out. Uh, East Coast has been a bit more difficult. So the East Coast has more traditional construction. Um, but ultimately, with the, that internal project, our, our target is to have a development timeline of 16 months for modular projects and 18 months for construction like uh, from a traditional standpoint, which is uh, extremely aggressive. Um, we are, we're more in the mid-20s, let's say, in the construction and uh, traditional construction right now. So shaving off six months, um, it's, it's, it's a lot, uh, but the, the, the overall idea is that our industry only looks at costs from uh, a hard cost component, so how to build cheaper, but there's very little innovation in terms of time, and ultimately time is, our, is, is, is a huge cost factor. Like if you can open one month earlier, there's so many expenses that you save, whether it's just from your loan perspective, your, your, your investors, but also just the revenue, potential revenue you can generate. So looking really at the timeline and the cost perspective has been pretty interesting. Um, and that's why we're also trying to do uh, a bit of new ways to build, um, which is which goes back to the, the Lean Six Sigma uh, methodology that, that we were talking about, uh, Michel, quickly. Uh, because ultimately, system rules, as you said, they're all the same, um, except maybe for your uh, disabled rooms. It's literally a copy paste, um, so you should be able to build like you're in a manufacturer. Like uh, it's 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 really like at the concept at the core of what it is. So how can we apply these concepts uh, to the hotel industry and building uh, citizen hotels at the same time, <laughs> hospitality and construction basically. Um, yeah. Did you go through different methodologies? I mean, because I mean, we at Numa had. Um, Kind of a different challenge because we were taking over different projects in different locations and there was not that element at least yet of you know the same room as much uh, and so 
what worked best was Scrum, um, right? This, it's kind of like, a, I'm sure you're familiar with it, right? It's a methodology that goes a bit against, not against, it's different methodology to Six Sigma because it doesn't look at a factory. It looks like a, at an agile team, everybody is flexible to do what they want and you have to organize the process so that, you know, everybody can always react and the teams are self-sufficient. But I guess for you, it, I mean, Six Sigma initially came from Motorola factories. And what you're doing here is is a factory pure process, so it would make sense to to, to use Scrum, for example, probably for for that. Or yeah. So the the interesting thing is that Sysnem has been going for the last two three years uh, through an agile transformation. Initially, uh, th concepts such as the agile uh, surrounding methodology like Scrum, the sprints, and all those kind of things that work very well in certain teams where, where we try to apply it in the construction team, in the project management team, it was very difficult to manage because you're asking a team in Cisnem to manage their projects with an external party, which is your general contractor and their, and their sub-trades that manage a totally different way. So there's a bit too much of a clash. Uh, it was very challenging. And that's why with Lean Six Sigma, we're, uh, trying to get something that is a bit more applicable to the manufacturing industry rather than to the operations or IT development industry. Um, ultimately, it's a lot about how can you schedule, how can you mitigate your uh, risk in terms of timeline and your coordination. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting ride. We're really at the beginning. Uh, even internally, we're still trying to pitch and convince people Look, here's a simulation. Uh, how to build how to build a hotel the normal way, and just like showing them like the simulation of how it looks. And look how if you try to get as close as possible to a single piece flow rather than a batch flow, uh, and look at the the benefits. And the, the the bigger challenge there is the benefit comes at the end for the overall project, but individual key players don't necessarily see the benefits. So if you tell your electrician, you need to come to that floor 25 different times because you need to do one room at a time. They're like, this is so inefficient for me. And we, I totally agree, it is very inefficient. But the fact that everyone does that single piece flow at the end, actually, it's theoretically proven that you can gain time at the end. Um, so there's a lot of convincing and trial and error and proof of concept that we need to go through. Because, yeah, like those guys have been working like this for, I mean, we've been laying bricks the same way for, I don't know, how many uh, centuries. Um, so it's, it's, it's not always easy to, to come in and tell people like, hey, there's a different method that is totally uh, counterintuitive uh, that actually adds value. So would it then make sense to kind of have your own construction <laughs> company <laughs> within Citizen X? <laughs> because... <clears throat> Um, as I said, just from an apartment point of view, I think, right, changing the construction industry is a very big um, point. And if people are not directly part of the company and external company, it's even even harder to kind of change their minds on how they've been working um, in the past. Yeah, I mean, having your own general comp like construction company, that, that could be an idea. Um... The thing is, like the general construction company is is really more of an overarching entity. Like at the end, it's really about the subs uh, that are in the market, and every market can have different subcontractors. You have uh, in the U.S. It, you see it as one country, but it's actually it could be seen as like forty-five different countries. Every state, or even sometimes even every city, has uh, different regulations. Uh, like union trades is a, is a big factor. So whether you build in Boston or you build in um, Austin, Texas, it's a totally different uh, ballgame, the way you can build, the way you manage your trades, how many trades, how many steps you have in your, in your fit out or your construction, uh, just mm. because how the local regulation and, and trade environment is, is structured. Um, so that would definitely be uh, an interesting project. It, I think it's, it's a lot. At the end, Sysnem, we build hotels and we sell rooms. Like, so we're, we're trying to not be too much uh, into this. It's a lot. It's, it's, it's adding another, uh, another trade, another side of the company um, that would require like, quite, quite an endeavor. 
um, I think it's it's really about finding the right partners. Like there are there are general contractors, there are companies that are willing to try that are using those methodologies, uh, and also how we onboard them and train them and and discuss very early um, when when we when we sign our our contracts and, and start the development of a hotel rather than just going in a bit uh, with the standard way and then when we're about to uh, break ground or they're about to start building rooms. We're like, oh, actually, you guys, we want you to work in a different way. Like that's 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 very difficult to do. So if you if you from the beginning find the right partner that is uh, open to ideas and also like system is very particular. Like we're pretty simple, but we also have a lot of particularities. And if you understand them and use them smartly, it can make your life very easy. Uh, but if you go against it, it's actually going to make your life much harder because mm. we we sometimes demand uh, a level of quality and precision uh, in our construction and our delivery of products that is close to um, uh, an industrial precision. But the thing is, it's almost impossible to to reach that level of quality and precision on normal construction sites. Um, so that's why early enough, it's it's better to understand and, and work together what's the best method uh, to build so that at the end you have the smoother, the faster, and the most cost-efficient product. So just quickly to remind me, is Citizen M owner and operator for all the properties or? Um, most of the properties, we are. there are some markets, we have lease agreements or, or what we call HMAs. So let's say in Geneva, uh, or general Switzerland, Copenhagen, um, the, 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 the real estate market is so expensive, let's say, and so mm. tight that uh, we cannot enter and be owner and operator. Sorry. Okay. Um, and then it, it really depends. So we're looking, we, we don't want to miss an opportunity because we cannot own it. Uh, so then we have, we have uh, certain projects like in Chicago or um, like Boston is, is, uh, are some of them where sometimes you have, you have turnkey deals or you have like a, a ground lease agreement uh, partnered with development. So it's really, but the, co the initial concept is yes, like we try to own our assets where we have an asset heavy strategy that is against the market uh, in hospitality, which has more of an asset light strategy. Mm -hmm. We, we want to have that, 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 that asset heavy a strategy to have a bit more control um, on our destiny rather than just do management contracts. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, times are changing. We're trying to expand and like, it doesn't mean that we're stuck to one narrative. Um, and if it makes sense for the company and the growth of it, um, we're, we're exploring options. Okay. And um, referring back to, you said, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Um, a lot of hotel chains previously hi had hired huge teams to, to build. Had architects, construction teams, and then, you know, for example, for Hilton and for Merritt, I think 1989 crisis hit, and then basically a thousand people will let go from one day to another. So this way, you you know, you keep your partners and <laughs> it kind of works for, you know, on demand basis. But um, is there a line where you still guys hire internally? I mean, you, I assume you have architects, designers, um, or do you outsource that as yeah, well? We, so we, we have a design team. Um, a lot of them are from an architect background. So like ultimately, like our brand standard and, and the main concept uh, comes from Cisnet. Where then we have a kind of a heritage partnership with an architecture firm called Concrete uh, from, from the Netherlands that that uh, has been with Cisnet since the beginning, where they between Cisnet and them, they really hold the, let's say, the concept design um, of, 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 of Cisnet, of just, just the general looks and the digital feel of CISNAM. And then once you do that concept design, which is basically in partnership with Concrete and CISNAM, um, we then go to more of a local or project-specific architects that then will dive into the specific, uh, let's say, nitty-gritty of the project. So go from a design drawing set to a construction drawing set. And that's where those uh, architects will have also a set of uh, consultants from a code perspective or MEP perspective, at least. So we really own the identity and the general feel, and then like it's more on a local base in terms of the specificities and uh, market application to the project. But it, 
would you say that's possible for other hotel chains to duplicate? They do not have modular building? Because, I mean, the issue comes as well, right? You have procurement, for example, right? You Some companies have hundreds and hundreds of suppliers just for, you know, OSINI, right? Or, um, right? So the question is, is it easier for you guys because you have modular construction or you're just really good <laughs> at organizing your projects? Modular definitely helps a lot. Um, so, you know, we have, we have two relationships with two modular companies that we've developed through the years, one in Poland, one in, uh, one in China. So uh, the, the modular concept helps, but that's just the room components. You still have everything around it. You still have your front of house, back of house. Uh, you still have your furniture that you need to, to, to fill in. Or, as you said, all your OZN. Um, we definitely don't have everything figured out. OZN has been, like, through the years when I started as an intern, was a nightmare, I remember, uh, to manage. And uh, it's very difficult to find a good partner that fits um, our needs. We also have very specific needs. Uh, and it's also very difficult to keep a consistency in your concept throughout different con continents. How can you find the same spoon at the acceptable price between Taipei, uh, Copenhagen, and San Francisco? Uh, and also not have it all have all our stuff shipped from one central location. How how sustainable is that? You know, so that's 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 a bit the challenge. Is like yeah, you can buy everything locally in Europe and ship it to the US. How sustainable is that? How cost efficient is it? So that's that there's a lot of work that needs to be done and we're we're doing on seeing like what are things that we really need to keep. I I share the feelings, <laughs> but I have, I have one question because I think hotel openings are kind of the place where so many things can go wrong. I think that's what I said at the beginning, right? You already made an example of um, COVID and you guys had to find a way to train everybody um, over cameras, but do you have kind of another event or like a story that you can share that something went awfully wrong and you can have to solve it last minute <laughs> this is not an interview uh, this is a... <laughs> you're not gonna get a job after this you already have one sorry uh yeah uh, how many how many hours do you have to <laughs> i just love those stories <laughs> so i think um the 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 biggest common challenge you have in pre-opening is that you're really at the end of the timeline uh and at the end that's really Let's say you have your four weeks, eight weeks, however, uh, whatever time frame you're, you're usually allocated uh, as a standard to say from the moment the building is handed over to the operator uh, and prepare their team and populate the hotel and then open, that time always gets squeezed because it goes back to the reality of your construction timeline and your permitting timeline. Uh, and that's where most of the time the pre-opening team, but also the construction team needs to be very flexible and work together. That's very important. Like at the end, like that's the benefit of Sysnem is we're all under one house. It's not just, we're not just the operator that receives the hotel. So it helps a lot in terms of uh, working as one team and finding solutions together. Um, it also brings a lot of gray zones. So sometimes it's, 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 it's also a challenge because we are the developer and we are the operator. So we accept, the operator accepts a lot more uh, and makes a lot more concessions compared to if you had like a standard management contract where the operator would come and be like, it's not ready, I'm not coming. Here it's like, well, we're one company, we want to open as fast as possible. So then everything starts to merge together and you don't have a clear cut between the construction is done to the pre-opening period starts. Things start to overlap and you want to keep a consistent uh, an impactful um, pre-opening period for your teams because of, like that's the foundation of your team's training and, and what you show as uh, as a company of what they're gonna you, we deserve we we expect let's say our ambassadors to deliver a certain guest experience we need to show them the same courtesy in terms of the training facilities and the the, the, the area we allow them and the training we give them um, 
we, we need to expect as much uh, from our side than what we expect from them to deliver to our guests. So it, like the story is pretty simple. Like it's uh, happened in many hotels, but like definitely from one of the most um, challenging and fun because that's the that's the fun part in pre-opening is the is the curveball curveballs uh, was during the the Bowery opening where we hired our entire team uh, so approximately 40 people um, and that was based on the timeline that those people could start in two weeks uh, to start training in the hotel and train for four weeks and then open the hotel and the day after that casting day and hiring everyone our project team said well actually we're going to be a couple months late uh, so of course we're like, well, that's going to be fun. <laughs> uh, we don't want to just pay people to do nothing. Uh, also not from a just financial perspective, but like New York is a pretty dynamic market. So people will just jump off the boat and find another, another job. You can also not just tell them, well, hold on, we don't pay you. And then in three months we come back to you and you're hired and guaranteed. So we had to see, okay, while those guys are still building the hotel, how can we do our pre-opening periods uh, off-site? Um, and then we'll just figure it out, basically. <laughs> so like uh, I was, I was like we had, we had a great team, a great pre-opening pre team at the time was really working together. And I had also a lot of really good uh, local partners uh, like with, let's say, like our, our my, like the our F and partner and caterer was very helpful in sourcing venues. So we had to source, let's say, venues from just like a general conference space to a bar during the day that we were renting out to do our cocktail training. Um, but we had to find those in forty-eight hours. Let's say so. That was it's like the type of phone call where I would call my FD partner and be like, "So, do you have a bar for the next two weeks where I can have thirty people train for, the, for every day?" And they're like, "Edward, you're gonna kill me!" Like, uh, I'll try. I'll, I'll see what I can what, what I can do. But yeah, figuring out all those things and then uh, trying to keep all your activities so you're still able to make that end opening date. Uh, so then you end up being very creative where, okay, we need to do our photo shoot of our space because we want to be able to sell our, our hotel. Uh, we don't want to have no pictures, uh, but then it's like, okay, I understand that, but it's still a construction site. So how can I do a photo shoot of construction site? So then you have your styling team that is trying to do the best they can with the space. And then you end up smuggling uh, in like, like hidden chariots, some liquor bottles so that within a couple of hours, you set up a bar for the photo shoot and then just take it out of sight again. Um, so that, that those are all things where you have to be very creative, very flexible. You need to work in the gray or a, a bit. Uh, it, at the end, you just need to make it happen. Um, and yeah, that opening was 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 this uh, from, from the beginning to, uh, to the end because we opened, we still had some floors that were not TCO'd yet, so like we could not, it was still a construction phase, let's say. Mm. Our entrance plaza was partially also in construction, so we had to make spe specific agreement for a rite of passage uh, for our guests to still to be able to access uh, the hotel, because our team was like, well, the hotel is TCO'd, so certificate, like you have your certificate, certificate of occupancy, but the plaza in front of the hotel from the sidewalk is not. So, we're like, well, great, but how do you access? How do you access the hotel then? Like, if you cannot, we cannot hand out construction boots and helmets to our guests for them to cross the plaza. So then you need to figure out a way to build a tunnel that is like a grid of the city, and and all this kind of stuff. And that's where working with your construction team and your project development team is super important because if mm. you work separately, it's 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 really not uh, it, it's really not. Uh, efficient but if you work together trying to find a solution that they have knowledge you have a, a different set of knowledge then you need to work together to just be like okay this is the best solution we can come up on the spot um, and try to still deliver the best hotel in the best time the most cost efficient ways for our guests to be the least impacted um, but yeah that's uh, I, I could probably write a pre-opening book uh, I with think, all the stories uh, I think you should <laughs> I definitely think you should honestly like when you were talking about it I get like this feeling again of I because I was also doing openings right so that feeling of you know 
it just feels like there's always something else that is coming up and something else that needs to be solved. And then, I don't know, super, super exciting. Uh, sometimes a little bit stressful, but sometimes it was extremely, extremely fun and rewarding when when you were able to do it. Um, so yeah, it sounds like you're, you're excited about your job and yeah, it's nice to hear it's, that. It's part of the fun. It's <laughs> like if you like like the if you cannot find the fun into the the changes of plans and the issues that come the way, then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hate your life. It's gonna be it's gonna be terrible. Uh, and that's why I always say like it's it's not for everyone. If yes. if you're someone that wants predictability and structure, don't go in there. It's gonna be you're gonna be, you're gonna be like uh, you can be great at your job, but you're not gonna be fulfilled and it's not gonna feel good for you. If you like the uncertainty and the curveballs and the challenges and and having the ups and downs. And uh, for me, the most fun part of the job was trying to keep the energy uh, at the right level. Uh, and you cannot keep pushing people nonstop. So it's it's about those moments to be, okay, we need to do a push, uh, let's go. And it's also times where like, well, you know what? Shit hit the fan. Let's grab a, a round of shots of tequila. And what, what can we do? We don't have AC in the hotel. That's, that's what it is. We'll figure it out tomorrow. Uh, that's 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 also the fun part to to, mm. to be able a bit that 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 uh, orchestrate uh, that 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 energy uh, of your team. I think that's a super interesting point that you're saying, and I think this is one of the points that's sometimes forgotten. Forgotten, if there's such a high amount of stress and pressure that people just feel like oh, needs to be pushed through. But yeah, think about the the breaks in between as well, for sure. Maybe um, we give you one more question before we jump to the news. If you have actually time to stay after this, because we're obviously going over the initially agreed uh, time frame here. Um, you mentioned 40 people were hired. I'm not sure if that's the exact number, right? M me and Miriam come from a background now where um, for a hotel <laughs> with 180 rooms, there's maybe two or three people hired, <laughs> right? Um, how are you guys? I, I, I mean, I've been in a Citizen M. I've slept in one. Um, I think Miriam, you have as well. You have yes. done it quite a few times now, probably. You lived in one. You lived in one, Ed. Um, how are you planning to to deal with the whole topic of, um, um, well, yeah, employment, right? I know you guys have self-check encounters. You technically you don't need to encounter anyone, right, already in Citizen M. So the people you hire are there to enhance the experience, I suppose. And is that going to stay the mm -hmm. way it is? <laughs> yeah. So um, with the example of. Uh, the New York Bowery, where I said 40, 40 people, was a bit of an outlier uh, in terms of amount of staff um, we, we hired, the uh, amount of ambassadors we hired for that project. It was a bit the unknown first, and like, let's be safe. Uh, so let's hire, I think at the time it was exactly 37 people. Uh, but it was, um, we, we, we had built a bit of a buffer uh, because first we knew that some people uh, would move on throughout the opening time. That's always happened. So you always lose some people. Um, and then you, we also had, uh, we have a rooftop uh, up there that was, uh, that had a lot of expectations uh, from, 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 from our company um, in terms of revenue, in terms of experience. Um, so let's say we had kind of initially overstaffed a bit uh, in order to make sure that at least at the beginning we can deliver a really good experience because we wanted to really come in and as I said, it was like the announcement of CISNEM uh, rollouts and pipeline in the, in, the, in the US. As a standard, it would definitely not be 37. Now it's really not 37. Um, I think the, the rule of thumb is our uh, basic CISNEM in terms of size is between 280 and 320 rooms. For this type of hotel, we would hire probably around 20 people um, that cover all the shifts, so AM, PM, and nights. And then, uh, depending on the hotel, this means you have approximately four to six people per shift. Uh, and that, that, that covers your holidays, your days off, and things like that. Um, we can do this also because this is just the hotel staff, like the rest, like our maintenance teams, uh, our housekeeping teams um, we're, are, are outsourced. We have local partners or, or worldwide partners. Uh, because again, let's 
give to the experts, their experts, uh, their expertise field. We don't know how to clean rooms. Let's find the best company that knows how to clean rooms. They're going to do that. We know how to give a guest experience, how to sell rooms. That's what we know. So that's what we're focusing on. Everything else, we don't know how to fix things. We'll have a company that knows how to fix things. Like let's let's keep everyone's expertise, uh, everyone is shown. So that, that's 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 what's important. Going to three people, like you say, <laughs> like I, I'm not sure how you guys do it. We definitely have the the, the check-in concepts that we're innovating to make it even more seamless uh, through the apps and through different different ways. Um, our guest demographic is, is pretty broad. Uh, we have a preferred guest demographic that is like a bit like, you know, like the businessman that knows that has their app and checks in on their Uber uh, and creates their key card on their phone and just goes straight up, grabs a glass of wine and goes to sleep and checks out the day after. That's a bit like, wow, that's the ideal guest. But that's not also, that's, that's, that's just from a business perspective. You also want people that stay a bit more in the space. You want people, you want a bit of variety. That's, that's what make the, makes Citizen Concept alive. If you have a living room filled with businessmen that just all come at 7 a.m. to have breakfast and leave, well, we can have a nice product, nice styling and art and furniture, but it's a bit depressing still. So it's, and all those different uh, types of guests have different needs. So some people uh, require a bit more interaction. And that's where like, yeah, like we need a bit of staff to, to, to keep that guest experience a bit memorable. Uh, for, for those guests, whether it's just comforting them because they have a different time, uh, like a difficult time in their life, or like a challenge with their plane, or they just want a nice cocktail to uh, wind down after, uh, after, after a fun day or a challenging day, um, uh, or just a conversation with, with someone that can be your friend, you know, like it's, it's, that's, that's really what Sysnem what brings more compared to, like I would say, other, other companies, it's a bit more intangible. Uh, that is not that is difficult to replicate. You can replicate our design. Like that's that's not easy. That's that's not difficult. Like the, the chair I'm sitting on can be bought by someone else. Having the same ambassador uh, and the same culture training and, and uh, that's that's a lot more intangible. That's a lot more difficult to to, to first find, and train, and sustain. Um, that's that's our biggest challenge uh, and our most important challenge uh, in in right now and in the future as we grow to keep that that ambassador uh, concept alive as it was meant from day one fair enough i mean just fnb concepts are only right you have fnb concepts in a way right um i don't think it's uh when you want to provide a unique experience uh, having a machine that makes a pizza for you and you never see anyone <laughs> maybe not the most unique or the most memorable uh Exactly, and that, that FNB is the same. So we we know we're not FNB experts. We're not entertainers. So we will never be, uh, you know, like some of other hotel competition where people go to their hotel for uh, the food. That that's not our aspiration. We want to give. Uh, we want we. <laughs> You're not on mute. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like we want to give uh, an option that is uh, nice, but that's not. I much. I, I would always say during the opening, if an ambassador, if a guest comes to you and be like, "Okay, I'm in New York. I want to. I want to have an experience in terms of food." Cisnem can compete compared to New York and all the concepts. So I'd much rather have them uh, share their best tip for the best tacos they know, than be like, "Oh, well, we have a great uh, pizza." Uh, down at our canteen end. That's not what it is. I would definitely in New York be like we have a great rooftop because like the view is like one, I think one of the best views in terms of the rooftop is great. But we need to know our strengths and we need to know when like at the end it's always again the same. And it's I, I sound a bit like a broken record. This is the guest experience. So is is the guest gonna remember the ambassador that gave them the best the address of the best taco in town or the fact that they said, yeah, you can go downstairs and have a pizza, that is good, but not necessarily like a memorable experience. Like you probably want the, 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 the former. 
and that's what's going to stick to the to the to the guest and the guests will remember the tacos they remember wow yeah that ambassador really took care of me and thought about uh what would be a cool experience for me to keep and and and, and keep as a memory for sure now i i already told you before we started um the interview that i read a piece of news um this week uh which i want to talk to you about and it's the one that you guys changed PMS system. You rolled out Apaleo, and is this 7,500 rooms? So we had to mm -hmm. find a new solution fast, and that also was a better solution that we had. Uh, so that's where Apaleo came in, and there was a whole project around it with, with, that was really central. Like a lot of the resources in the company were focused on that mm -hmm. because we had to, it was a survival thing. Mm -hmm. um, if you tell me exactly the timeline in terms of weeks and amount of rooms, I, I will not be able to give you those numbers. Uh, it was indeed a very short amount of time. Uh, I know that they started switching uh, hotels around October, November, if I remember well. Uh, and I believe that we are either done or almost done. Yeah. So I think the eight weeks-ish timeline does make sense. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that the team had to they basically had two to three days they would come in switch the hotel close it off move on and mm. had to go uh, uh copy paste and repeat and mm. so that was that was a lot of work and a lot of effort um yeah. for 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 also a lot of different markets like we and we had hotels opening at the same time so mm. imagine sometimes we had like we had austin uh, let's say that opened in january uh but also rome um those hotels were kind of in between so they were at the end of the old solution and but at the edge of being switched so what do you do with your teams or do you do you set up your old system or do you already set up the new system since you know you don't know exactly when the timeline is that's an also an, an added component mm -hmm. you, need to, you need to train some teams that to be trained on two different systems uh within within a couple of months so that was a lot of work uh that was done in, in the last year and then like that eight weeks was really the final sprint yeah. to turn the whole project concrete and do the switch. Mm. I mean, to me it is literally, I find it a super amazing example because right. I come from traditional hospitality and I remember that it took us sometimes up to three months to just set up the PMS systems and how the room is supposed to go and then right. Like train people on it. That takes, took forever. And the fact that it can be done in a few days now, um, with, with a company like Apaleo and many, many big companies that have lots of hotels are not, I think they're not able to get this piece of technology. They're not able to switch and catch on to the technology trend because they're still stuck to OPMS systems. And the fact that a company like Citizen M, which is huge, was able to make that change. I find it, yeah, super impressive that this, this was, that you guys were able to to do that. And I think it's a great example. I think on that note, we can congratulate Ed or Edouard on, uh, on all the achievements. <laughs> it, it worked. <laughs> yeah. He didn't switch all the systems himself. <laughs> or the team. And I'm sure, you know, he, he will pass it on to, to the team, right? To the company. And um, I mean, we've kind of run out of time in here. So thank you very much <laughs> for, for coming over.